Hey gang, Melissa Hanalt here with the Burnout to All Out podcast. I'm a mom of three corporate burnout that built a secondary six-figure income around my nine-to-five with little kids. This set me free and allowed me to fire my boss and pursue my wildest dreams. It took grit, persistence, and belief. But now, operating multiple six-figure businesses as an online entrepreneur and business coach, I have become a serial entrepreneur with a passion to inspire more burnouts to take the leap and go all out and live out their dreams. Each week, I'll bring you inspiring all-out guests, lifestyle business tips and tools to empower you to take the leap from burnout employee to all-out entrepreneur, making your passion your paycheck. If this mom of three corporate burnout can go all out, so can you. My goodness, you guys are going to love this podcast interview with fellow mastermind, amazing serial entrepreneur, Rebecca Cafiero. You'll hear her journey all the way from real estate through network marketing to now an amazing business coach who's launched this whole mastermind around pitching yourself and being an effective pitcher. And when I say pitcher, I mean presenting yourself and presenting the opportunity with credibility. Do you own a business? Are you starting up a business? Are you pitching it properly? Are you pitching it effectively? Do you know what tools and resources are out there to make sure that you've got the best brand for yourself out there? I think many of us struggle, especially in the media space, on you know what's pitching versus bragging, right? But we don't know. Your audience doesn't know you're open for business if you're not pitching. Take a listen. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this and such an inspiring burnout to all out story as well. All right, guys, I am super excited for this burnout to all out podcast interview. I've got an amazing guest who's become really a dear friend of mine. I'm excited for all the nuggets that she's going to bring to you guys today and really her journey and her path. Just a reminder for those of you maybe that are listening to the podcast, we're actually streaming live right now in our Burnout to All Out Facebook page. But I have an amazing guest. I just want to jump right into her bio here so you guys can get excited for who you're going to hear from today. Rebecca Cafiero is a business and visibility strategist. TEDx speaker. She's a best-selling author and she's a mother of two. Prior to becoming an entrepreneur, she spent 13 years in corporate America. I know a lot of my followers can really relate to that. And she was leading, she was leading in sales and marketing teams. She's a frequent speaker on time management. I know she's made impact for me and my business, coaching me on time management, healthy habits, personal optimization, and living with balance, which I also want to dig into a little bit in the first half of the interview. As a sought after after media source, Rebecca's tips have been featured in popular publications, including Reader's Digest, Women's Health, U.S. News, World Report, ABC News, as well as interviews on NBC. She's passionate about helping female entrepreneurs be recognized as an expert in their field, you guys. So I know you're going to get your pen and paper out and just listen up for all goodness with Rebecca Cafiero. So Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Just the title alone. I'm like, Oh, 
<laughs> gives me flashbacks to the days of driving 90 minutes each way to my, my office. Oh my gosh. Yes. And we're going to get into that. So, but before we do, just so you guys know really how Rebecca and I know each other, we both hire the same business coach. We're in the same business mastermind. You guys, you're probably going to hear us all and my guests talk about it as a broken record that every business coach, every great leader has someone who's leading them, Right. And so we connected in the mastermind and we've just become fast friends. And I'm excited to see you in Sedona in a couple of weeks, actually. Oh, likewise. <laughs> so, okay. So let's just dive right in. Let's go back to the you know 90 minute commutes back and forth. Cause this whole podcast is all about, you know, entrepreneurs who were burnt out before taking the leap and really becoming that lifestyle entrepreneur and making their passion, their paycheck. So that our listeners can learn a little bit more about you, Rebecca, take us all the way back to your corporate days where you were spending 90 minutes a day in the car before the brink of of the aha moment of having to get out of what you're doing. Can you bring us back to that life? Yes. Actually, I'm going to go a little bit further back. I I just want to preface this by saying I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. And the reason was, and so when, you know, when I was in corporate America, like that initially was my dream is because both my parents, actually all my parents are entrepreneurs. My, they own their own businesses. My dad's a, a fisherman, commercial fisherman. So like out there on a boat, long line. And he, you know, worked around the seasons. And then my stepdad's a well driller and it was the same thing. And so I saw, you know, being a business owner as your business completely running you and really very difficult, you know, blue collar work. Um, And I just said, no way. And so, you know, growing up in an area that was pretty economically strained, started life out really below poverty level. My parents divorced when I was young. And so I was looking for the security of a corporate job. I thought I wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer because that's the only jobs I knew of that you could make six figures. Mm-hmm. And so that to me was like the pinnacle. And, and I went to, my undergrad was in journalism and I learned very quickly that journalism, while I love writing and communicating and interviewing and, you know, acquiring knowledge, that is a recipe for being broke your entire life. And I mean, I had a, I had a bartending job to support my full-time journalism job when I worked wow. in the paper for three years. And so I ended up deciding I was going to go into law got derailed and got into real estate at about the age of 23. And I can remember when my boss hired me and I asked at this event that was before my first day, I said, is it possible to make six figures? Cause I, I was you know, kind of hearing some of the chatter from people that work. And he said, if you only make six figures, if you only make a hundred thousand, you'll get fired because that means you're not performing. And I went, said, Whoa, just a little flashback. This was Las Vegas during the real estate boom. Okay. So the average person was making around 200,000 with you know, maybe a college degree. It was, it was pretty incredible. And so I kind of cut my teeth in that industry and, and definitely developed a very positive money mindset very quickly. And to me, it was, you know, it was kind of feast or famine. And this was the feast. It was work as hard as possible. And I did in those first few years, my first two years, I didn't take a day off. My boss wow. actually said, if you don't take a day off on a fire, you, I'm like, but you know, it was one of those jobs that the harder you work, the more you earn in sales. And so at the age of 26, you know, I, I had a $400,000 year. Wow. And now I will say, looking back, it's a bit like monopoly money because I, I, I wisely invested that in things like my 401k. I bought land. I bought properties. And that oh. was before the Las Vegas real estate, well, the United States real estate market imploded. So at the age of you know, 27, 28, here I was. Actually, I'll go back for a moment. At the age of 26, I'm three years into this career. I'm making incredible money. I'm building, you know, what? was the house of my dreams, driving Mercedes and looking on paper, like I had it made. And yet I was completely miserable. Mm -hmm. And I hired a life coach 
And we sat down in our first session. She's like, tell me what you want. I had this very impressive plan to basically be the CEO by 45 of this Fortune 150 company. And she listened and she nodded. And then she said, okay, well, tell me what you really want. And I burst into tears. (laughs) Because I was doing what sounded good, what looked good on paper. Yep. But, you know, I, I'm a firm believer we're three-dimensional beings yes. and we don't live on paper. And yeah. And so what, what I realized is while I, while my job excited me because it was new and I was learning and the capability of earning money was incredible, I had this glimpse at that age that money, while it can provide a lot of wonderful things, does not buy happiness. And as hard as I was working, you know, over the next two years, I lost everything. What I kept was experience. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But it took me nine years from that that meeting with that life coach to actually, actually be burnt out enough to make a change. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and let's get into that. And I think that what you are just hitting on so many things that I really, I've experienced too. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons we've connected so well is just, um, but you recognized it at a much earlier age than I did. I mean, I know it sounds like it took you nine years to like take full action on it. But I know for me, my blinders were on so hard for like so many years of like just achieve, 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 title, 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 move up the ranks, move up the ranks until you you practically break. You look around and you're like, I cannot keep this up. Like I physically, emotionally, mentally cannot keep this up, right? Okay, so you had this huge peak in real estate and then the real estate market crashed, right? And you kind of reinvented yourself. So what happened next? Well, I stayed in real estate. I just was on the darker side of real estate. So I went from, you know, telling someone their, their, you know, actually retirement home, I typically sold 50 plus, but which was, even though I didn't love it, it wasn't my be all end all passion. I still love working with people. I loved, you know, helping people and I felt really positive about it. And when the market crashed, it was, you know, any job possible. So there was even a short time, which I don't share often, but I went into like B2B sales selling internet. Oh, wow. And, you know, I did well, I should say well, but then, you know, Basically, the company, the company wasn't really, they weren't very ethical. And so my first month, I was like top salesperson in the nation. And and they basically capped me. I had earned like 20000 in commission. And they paid me ten and said, well, basically, we didn't think that you could actually hit those benchmarks. And so we've realized. And, and so I, but I didn't have another option. So I sat there for the next, you know, four or five months angry because somebody had changed the rules of the game. Yeah. I had no power. Control. I wasn't in control. Yeah. And I realized at that time, I was like, oh, this, you know, I want to, but I, I still wasn't looking for an entrepreneurial opportunity. I was looking at, I need to align myself with a company that's going to do what they say. And then I worked, you know, again, during the recession, I worked for a company that we bought for closures at auction. And you want to talk about the ugly side of real estate, you know, when you're negotiating cash for keys to help, well, help, to help people that are foreclosed on getting out of their house. And you see, you see the, it's just a sad, sad, sad time. It was a sad time. And then as the market started to recover, I, you know, I got back into a job with a builder as a director of sales and then as a VP of sales. And, you know, I was really, I was very happy to be back into then a job that was paying well. And there was some, there was some security and some certainty, but what finally happened is while I was in that job where I was, I was working buying foreclosures at auction, my boyfriend at the time got diagnosed with stage four cancer. And I had this battle of, I was still trying to dig myself out of this mountain of debt mm-hmm. from, from losing all of my properties, from you know, trying to keep things afloat. It wasn't from crazy spending. It was like trying to keep afloat the house payment from when I went from making 400,000 a year to 70,000 a year and, you know, right. all of these things and trying to do the right things and selling, you know, gold and silver that I'd gotten when I was, 
every year we used to get like a, a silver silver bar for Christmas for my grandparents, you know, selling things of value to try to continue to make my mortgage payment. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't lose my house, which I ended up losing. And, and so here I am in this job that I had to do. It was a necessity to literally be able to eat. Mm-hmm. And I have my boyfriend that's in the hospital getting chemo every week. And it was that I didn't have the, the ability to necessarily be there when I wanted to, or I would go straight from the hospital to work. There were times I didn't go home for a week. And so you just slept in the hospital. I slept in the hospital. I mean, there was times I slept in hospitals for seven days straight. I would shower in a bathroom in the, you know, they were really nice because we were young. I mean, I was, I was 20, I was 30, he was 31. And so the staff was really wonderful because most of the people that were there that were, you know, getting chemo or terminally ill were older. So they always gave us a private, we said the suite, the corner suite so that I could, you know, sleep on the cot or sometimes in the, in the hospital bed with them. And it was just a re- incredibly hard time. I mean, you talk about, I, I can't even, I, I burnt out my adrenals at that time because the stress levels were so high and there was nothing I could do. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the luxury to take a break. I didn't have the luxury to say, I'm going to take the week off because I had to put, I mean, I literally had to put food on the table. And that was when I think that that was the first thing that really cracked me open to wanting to look for other opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that was going to be entrepreneurship. And, and so my boyfriend, he had passed away. And, you know, life seemed like things were, were picking up. I, I paid off all the debt that I had incurred during the recession. I was dating this wonderful young man. I had the opportunity to transfer my, my now husband. We were dating, this is nine years ago. We were dating and he relocated to Northern California for an incredible job opportunity. And I then got a job opportunity in NorCal to transfer within my same company into a really phenomenal role working with a great team. And so, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I hated my job. I hated the team I was working with. No, I I actually loved them. I believed in what I was doing. It was a hard job. Mm -hmm. I was running a team with 48, a total team of 48 people um, with only one manager. And so we were definitely, I'd say, understaffed from a management level. And my husband, at the time boyfriend, he got diagnosed with cancer. Really? And he, he actually, when we had met, he'd gone through thyroid cancer once before, which is a very treatable kind. I mean, if you don't want to get cancer, but if you're going to get cancer, thyroid is the, is what you, what you prefer to get versus, you know, a a cancer, like a stomach cancer or something that my boyfriend died of. So my husband got diagnosed with cancer and I was like, how can this happen again? Like how can lightning strike twice? And it was one of those moments you're like, what are you going to pull, you know, universe, God, what are you going to pile on me? Like, is this a test? And like, <laughs> and I really hope I pass it because if not, it's going to break me. And, and so he was going, you know, we were just kind of doing what's called a wait and see, which is waiting to see what they were going to prescribe for treatment. He'd already had a complete thyroidectomy before we met and radiation. I'm moving up to Northern California. We're kind of waiting and seeing. And right before I moved up, like I was, I was going to come up and had my first day at work. It was already all scheduled and organized. They were shutting down all the sales office. I was doing a big, you know, big meeting, basically like an operations meeting where I was going to be presenting. And about 10 days before he got a surgery date and it was the same day as that meeting. And here I am going to this new position and feeling like there's no way that I can tell them I can't be there and that they need to reschedule the entire division around this surgery. And I asked my husband, I said, you know, boyfriend, I said, do you want me to be there? Cause if you do, and he's like, no, it's okay. He's like, it's totally okay. Like, there's nothing you could do. It's not, you're going to be in the room. And I said, all right. But like my heart of heart said, you need to be there. Yeah. But I, and I, so could I have asked for the time off? Yes. And they, they would have made it work, but I was so afraid 
that if I gave them a reason to doubt my, my commitment to the company, yeah, right, that that would affect me. That would affect my ability to move up. That would affect my security. And so I did that meeting. I was sweating through my clothes. I mean, literally, I'm looking at the clock. It was like, it was like Ferris Bueller's Day Off where it just like moves like tick, tick, tick. <laughs> and here I am meeting, you know, in this meeting, trying to smile, trying to be positive and, and dynamic. And he's in surgery. Yeah. And I did leave early. I mean, I left after the meeting and I cried on the two and a half hour drive to the hospital. And I just remember thinking, I never want to be in this situation again where I don't feel like I have a choice. Mm. So that I'm was sure like the moment. That was like the that moment. Was the moment. Broke you. Like, that was the moment. I, I love this quote. I don't know where I got it from, but it's not mine. But sometimes you have to fall to know like where you stand. It sounds like that was your moment of just like, it sounds like you just were like, I've, I literally have no control over this scenario. So where did your journey take you from there as far as recognizing this whole burnout situation? It was something you loved, but you had no control. What happened next to take you on the trajectory of truly owning your life, becoming a lifestyle entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. becoming a serial entrepreneur and a ridiculously successful woman that you are now? About 11 months later, I got offered a job promotion from an area sales manager to a VP of sales and marketing. And this is, this was something that even, you know, five years earlier would have been the absolute pinnacle. I mean, VP of fortune 500, well, fortune 1000 company for their number one most profitable division. I would have been, I mean, I was the youngest female VP, youngest VP actually in general, and one of the few females. And I took it, but when it was offered, I, my heart sank. I was like, I don't want this, but I don't know how to say no. Like oh, people yeah. think I'm crazy because why would I give this up? This is a golden opportunity. And I took it, but I was already thinking, how can I get out? And I, at the time, actually thought I was, I, I was like, what can I do? Like, what can I do that I can earn a quarter of a million dollars or more a year that will give me security? And I looked at things like, I'd always love photography. Like, well, can I do wedding photography or could I do this? You know, I, I never, I didn't realize that there was something else I could do in business because while I had tremendous knowledge um, and skill in that area of, of new home real estate development, it wasn't even general real estate. It was like a very specific niche. I didn't have any interest in going to another company. Like I did love the company. I loved the team. I wanted out of the industry because everyone was going through the same thing. Yeah. Working weekends, I mean, there was times I would, I'd get up at 6am and be checking my email, responding to emails. And I would be getting offers and be on the phone with salespeople at 9 30, 10 o'clock closing deals. And then I was on call all weekend long. And there was never a reprieve unless I took a vacation where my boss, who was one of my best friends. And she was like, she would tell people don't email her, like literally don't send her emails. But that was very rare. That was a, you know, once every two years type of thing. And so I was thinking of all these things that I could do. And then I, like most people fell into network marketing Never thought that was something I would take seriously. I mean, I just fell in love with the product that I was looking, you know, for you know, we're with the same company, but more energy, lose a little weight. I was getting married and ended up loving it. And like most of us that do well at network marketing, we're people that when we find something that we love, we don't stop talking about it. Right. You know, we're, we're typically natural referrals, all referrers already because we're we're all about like sharing what we love. And so I saw that initially I just thought as well, this is this is a great way to earn some extra money on the side. And then I saw that as a bridge and I went, whoa, wow, this is actually a really legitimate industry. And, you know, I started making like, I think I had my first $10,000 a month within six months of being a product user and within about three months of really pursuing the business. And to me, I could see the curve. I was like, if I just keep putting this amount of time, 
Yep. And I made a goal and I was able to leave my job that same year, which I know is not, you know, not typical, but I was highly motivated. And, and with also with most network marketers that are successful like you, right? It's, we've typically built a network previous to that. Right. We've taken care of people. We've built relationships. We've developed credibility, developed trust, all of those things that are really key. Yeah. We already have the work ethic. People often see somebody being successful in a short amount of time in something like network marketing or, or entrepreneurship of any type. And they right. think that there was like a magic pill but no. there's a lot. It was yeah. like you already are a person that has has certain work ethic and certain you know qualities. But I will say with that, I went to network marketing and I love it. And I think it's just the most beautiful bridge into yeah. working for yourself. I think it's just the best way to learn entrepreneurship. But there is, I do want to delay, there is a big difference between being successful in network marketing and then being a I'd say true entrepreneur. Yeah. And what I mean yeah. by that is most people in network marketing, you don't have to go get an LLC. You don't have to go get a bookkeeper. You're not, you know, I mean, it's again, it's, it's like the, the easiest barrier of entry and it's beautiful because it teaches you all these things before you actually have to invest your own money. I could not agree more. Let's just pause on this for just a second. Cause I know like you're further ahead in the curve than I am as far as starting, you know, serial businesses outside of network marketing. But I, I could not agree more that it, that first step, I, what I love about network marketing is that that first step is so low risk, right? Like if you're curious about being a creative, doing your own thing, you can step your toe in or you can cannonball in and they're so low risk and you can run with it and create that asset on the side. And then I think I, I maybe, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think that it gives you more confidence to then take the next leap because you made that first leap. And I talk a lot about just that ego I had to leave behind in corporate America to take that leap into to network marketing. But to your point, this year for me has been a huge aha with starting my LinkedIn method business because now I have to hire people like, and I've got to run books and there's payroll and it is a completely different ball game altogether. But had I not started in network marketing, I think I'd be even <laughs> that much further behind in, in the springboard, you know? Oh, because network marketing teaches you all of the things that every business owner needs, which often people get into business and they don't learn these things. So it teaches you, it teaches you scaling because you naturally build a team. Yeah. Like you've got to be good at building a team and rolling people into your ideas, communicating, right? It teaches you marketing personal yeah. marketing, branding, right? Even, I mean, obviously there's some people that are better at it than others and it teaches you how to have a vision and how to work hard. So, and it gives you, ideally, it gives you the financial capability that if you do have another thing you want to go do, like you and I have both done, is it gives you the financial capability to be able to hire out earlier than most people yes. would because we don't have to take out a business loan. We don't have to show a proof of concept. We don't have to go under necessarily our savings we have this side income. So I feel like, yes, everybody should have a network marketing income because it basically is giving you your your business loan. A hundred. Oh my God. I had this conversation with a woman I enrolled just yesterday. We had this conversation because she has this vision of a different places. She wants to dabble in entrepreneurship. And we talked about how building out an asset in network marketing creates that financial security you know, in the mastermind that I'm in about building out these programs, it's funny you, you've mentioned that because my advisor was saying, or even the training that I've gotten in the Kelly Rose program, most of these are, are scrappy entrepreneurs and like they're paying their bills with the money they're making. And they talk about money management and what you have to reinvest and what you need to set aside to like literally pay your bills. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can actually reinvest everything I make if I want, because I have this passive income from this other place that allows me even less risk to launch this whole other business. I could, I could oh. not agree with you more that it just gets you that much further ahead. 
hundred percent. And I definitely want to like do a bookmark to come back and talk about, cause I just, you know, you and I just had some very big launches and, uh-huh. and when people see that, like they don't understand what that means about the reinvesting back. They think yeah. that you're just like, like money in the bank, you know, yeah, like, yeah no, it comes into the bank. So much of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes out. Right. <laughs> Even while I went to network marketing that first year after I left my job, I was, I mean, I've, I've never really worked my network marketing business full time, which is incredible because I've earned, I think we can do the income disclaimer that these results are not necessarily typical, but I've been a business builder in my network marketing business for nine years. And, and frankly, the, fa- the past 16 months since my daughter was born and I've been building another business, I've done, I don't say nothing, but you know, it's, it's been on autopilot. Um, right. And I've earned you know, just under a million dollars in six years. And so to have that, you know, that type of income coming in of a couple thousand dollars a week is yeah. gives you the such flexibility. Huge. So yes, I think that anybody out there that isn't, they're either not completely sure or they don't know how to monetize their talents right away, go out and build, even if it's $500 a week of network marketing income to give that bridge, give that safety net, yeah. like a hundred percent. I would tell that to everyone. Oh yeah. Like um, find a product you love. There's so many out there that are affiliated with a network marketing company. Like yes. find something that you love, you're going to consume anyway. You're just reinvesting. You're just redirecting your income, but then it's like you're consuming it or using it anyway and become a part of that financial yeah. model. Like it's a, and, and, and the back, like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but you know, I don't know. I just think it's a no brainer to me. Right. <laughs> well, and it's why you and I, and can we mention our company? Is that? Yeah. 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 That's fine. So it's, I mean, I had, I, when I was looking, I mean, I, I just became a product user. I didn't look at the business for six months, but had I been going backwards seven years or six and a half years and looking at a network marketing company, I mean, I would have still picked Isogenics regardless of the fact that I will use the products every single day till I die. But it's because anything that's, you know, and I, and I love like doTERRA and Young Living and some of those other companies. I mean, ISA has their, their own essential oils, but anything that is a consumable product, so a need product, not a want product. And so not, you know, not saying anything about, you know, companies that do leggings or other things, but need products that are consumable that people need to order every single month, even versus like, let's say a shampoo or, or something else out there that yes, you need shampoo, but if the economy goes down, you can go buy it $4 at you know Trader Joe's, not the best, but you know, it, it works. But yeah, I, I mean, I love having consumable food that I have got to spend the money on and frankly, it saves me money. But, but so going into that, that first year, I really worked part time and it was kind of my chance to like enjoy myself. I got pregnant, you know, that I had my son and who's, who's four and a half. And about two years in, I kind of got this itch. And I think it's that I realized I've always been an entrepreneur. I was always doing business coaching and things on the side. And I missed, what I missed is when I was in my real estate job, I was always doing kind of free business advice to people, but I was also very creative in my job because I would look at raw dirt and I would say, all right, based upon this, what's the right product to build? And how do we market it? And what is the story that we tell? And you know, by the time that a community went from purchasing land to selling, you know, model homes or selling, it was you know two years. But I love that transformation process. And I wasn't, even though you get like you definitely get the quick hit of transformation with network marketing. I was missing the longer term. Yeah. And I started teaching people. I started teaching my own team branding like personal branding, because I did come from the world of running a $2 million marketing budget and understanding that when I moved into being a solopreneur and network marketing, I still wanted my brand to look really good. I still had these standards of, you know, working for a fortune 500 company and people would ask me all the time. So I started teaching it to my team. And then I started teaching it to other business owners that were outside of network marketing is, is branding. But what I really realized, like my niche coming in from, from sales and marketing, and then from a journalism background is I love talking about messaging. Mm -hmm. 
I love talking about you know, branding as it relates to credibility. But then I learned a skill because of wanting to be able to build my own credibility within network marketing. I learned the skill of things like pitching, how to get seen in news, you know, how to get featured, how to get interviewed, how to get interviewed for podcasts. I launched my own podcast. And so some of these things I started teaching, doing branding retreats, and I started getting asked to speak on um, at entrepreneur workshops and you know, co-work spaces and in female masterminds. And I started doubling down on that. I just leaned in. And one thing I would say to people is, is niche down. Even in network marketing, niche, like like you, right? It's like LinkedIn yes. or social yeah. seller. Because you, when you're talking to everyone, you're talking to no one or you're communicating to no one. And right before COVID, I, I said, you know, I've done these really cool things for myself and my one-on-one clients over the last two years, working with them to get in Forbes and you know, Reader's Digest and you know different magazines or getting on the news or getting these opportunities to brand their businesses. And this is something I really love teaching. And I decided to start a course and then a mastermind around the idea of building visibility, credibility, which leads to profitability. Because I am a true believer that there's a triangle called the expert triangle, right? If you think about being an expert, you've got one leg that's visibility. You have got to get in front of people, mm-hmm. but you also have to have credibility because there's a lot of influencers out there that, yes, you might buy the clothes, you're there, but you're not going to take a business course from them. Right, right. 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 Credibility, they entertain and then right. there's a lot of people that are very credible, but they have no audience. And so you can't monetize that audience of two. Yeah, 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 you yeah. Know? And then there's the, the bottom is profitability, which is how are you actually monetizing both the visibility and the credibility? And when you're doing all of those things, you're a profitable expert. And so that's what I, I show people is how to be seen as an expert. It's not about smoke and mirrors. It's really about you know understanding, defining your own value, your own, you know, the brand transformation or brand trump promise and you know the client journey and the signature processes you use and that's that's really the crux of it but i love oh helping people do this all right chances are if you're listening to my podcast today you are a social seller of some aspect you're in business you're online somehow do you want to find more business builders in less time to 10x your business without playing the daily Instagram and Facebook game? Are you tired of being on the hunt daily for new customers of your product to then try to bait and switch them? You know what I'm talking about. To be interested in building a business with you. I have been there. The biggest mistake I see that slows down the expansion and stability of a social seller's business is if they spend way too much time recruiting on media for consumption of their company's products and way too little time in direct conversations with like-minded professionals that would love to actually hear about the business opportunity at hand. I then see so many painstakingly trying to drag customers through the sand to catch the vision of a business model that the consumer has no interest in, wasting time and getting burnt out. Can you relate? If you know my story, you know I've been there and since cracked the code and now drive a highly profitable social selling business 100% off of LinkedIn. Imagine finding with ease customers highly motivated for what services you have to offer to grow them, their business, or to become a business partner with you. That's what you will hear from my students who've gone through my previous LinkedIn method trainings. You don't have to look far. I am so excited for the birth of my brand new academy that has been built out based off of the success and the feedback of my previous students who graduated from my programs. So introducing to you the LinkedIn Method Academy. 
In this six-month academy, you will learn to become a business recruiting master on LinkedIn to 10X your business, transform how you brand yourself as the business owner that you are, and master attraction marketing that results in prospects begging to get into your calendar to learn more about what you have to offer. The LinkedIn Method Academy is a first of its kind. It's an ick free social sellers recruiting method dream. We take away all the spammy tactics that you've been taught on Insta and Facebook. And I teach you how to position yourself as the professional business owner that you are. I teach you how to professionally build your business brand, create an ideal network and pipeline generation that creates massive momentum and a funnel of weekly calls with viable, motivated humans who are eager to learn more about what you have to offer. It's high touch coaching, on-demand learning vault that's uniquely customized to meet you exactly where you are on your LinkedIn journey. And we have a dynamic Facebook community with ongoing live training, performance labs and workshops, and hot seat coaching to support your six-month journey to owning LinkedIn. You also get assigned a personal concierge who will stay with you through the entire program to support you and hold you accountable. Did I mention that there'll also be polished top-selling social sellers who went before you and are now mentors to share best practices and give feedback in the academy? Guys, this is unprecedented and peerless. There's nothing else out there like this. Think immersion in a community that is the utmost professional and results-driven that will help raise your own bar of performance along the way. Do I have your curiosity? Come check out our free five-day LinkedIn method workshop streaming live on our Facebook page, Burnt Out to All Out. Starting October 19th, we'll be kicking off a five-day workshop completely free with tips and tricks. Now, if you're just eager to get started and enroll today, you don't want to wait, go to our academy. Go to www.livethefreelife.co, www.livethefreelife.co. Enroll by October 25th and save 20% as an early bird. Now, there's limited seats. I'm doing that on purpose. I want to keep it high vibe and high touch, all right? So what are you doing in these final months of 2020 to create your trajectory for 2021? If you're looking to 10X your lead generation for business in 2021 through a step-by-step process of proven methods, condensing time and driving results, you found the right home. I hope to see you in the academy. Yeah, well, and it's so true. It's funny because we had this conversation in week two of our my LinkedIn method training. We talk about personal branding and that whole niching down. And you know what I tell folks is like, especially if you've got a brand new account in media, like so, like sometimes my students will be like nervous. Oh my gosh, I don't have anyone in my network yet. Like I'm nervous about I'm starting at ground zero. And I'm always like celebrate the fact that you have a blank canvas and you're about to grow a network and you choose your expertise, you what what you choose to put out, and the value add you put out is going to create the perception of the people who are in your feed. And so we laugh. And I say, do you guys think I have a doctorate in LinkedIn? Did I like, do I like, did I get a degree in this? Absolutely not. Why are you on my course? Because I branded myself and provided value within that niche, so that it was in your feed constantly providing value, but creating influence, right? All at the same time. Otherwise, how would you know I was open for business, right? But I got to fabricate it, right? Like if you look at my credentials, it's not like something you go to, like you go go get a degree on, right? You learned in the school of experience, which is where I learned. People right. Say, oh, you know how to pitch because you were a journalist. I'm like, I was a journalist. I know how to interview and write. 
right? Like, I know how to communicate, but I did not know how to pitch because I wasn't, I wasn't ever pitching journalists. You know, I was, and I also didn't work for, you know, I didn't work for an international publication, but I learned it from figuring it out. And I learned it by failing forward. And so what you teach and what I teach is, is the shortcut. It's how to do it well in a short amount of time. It's really like a quantum leap of learning a skill without making all the mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I love this. So can you give us some, some advice to folks? So thinking about folks who are just on their journey to really trying to create some credibility for themselves. A lot of my listeners are in the social selling space. Maybe they're trying to own their business, right? So if I've got a lot of folks who are coming through and they're trying to recruit other business partners, right? So what are your tips and tricks from creating this credibility, creating this no like and trust factor so that they can ultimately begin to create this kind of attraction marketing, but also kind of a, a funnel for themselves for opportunity with prospects? There's two parts of it. There's two okay. keys. And the first is how you present yourself. It is a hundred percent is. And, and like with media, right? If you're seen in media or you're seen on a podcast, you're leveraging the credibility of whatever that platform is. So if someone's listening to me right now, you know, you've already built the credibility of your podcast and of your group. So they assume because you're bringing me on that I'm credible and hopefully that they find me that I am because, (laughs) and one way to build great credibility, like you were saying is before you have case studies and before you have all of the you know, the results that you now have because you've done what you've done many times and you've shown many people the road to success is providing that free value is a great way to build credibility. And mm-hmm. as you do it, that will build your visibility because people will share or they'll comment and other people will continue to find you. So that initial, like, you know, starting with that blank slate and how you present yourself is huge. You've got to present yourself as an expert so that you are seen as an expert. That mm-hmm. does not mean claiming something that you you don't have. It right. might actually leveraging expertise from something you did before. So when I come from the world of journalism or the world of marketing, I am leveraging skills that I learned in a previous industry. And then, you know, combining that with what I've learned myself to deliver a result. I'm not saying that I can do anything that I've never done. I I, I can do it. But even if somebody's starting out something new, they've got to figure out what is that anchor of success and how do they present themselves? And you do have to show the highlight reel, right? You do need, everyone has done impressive things that they don't think about. And we'll talk about giving yourself permission to promote, but it starts with how you present yourself. So my very first time I got interviewed by a you know, national publication, which I believe it was women's health. It was because I reached out to them with a great professional signature. I already had, you know, my brand promise in there. I had a professional bio, you know, I had to build those things, but right. if I would reach out with a hotmail address or a Yahoo address and my social media said, you know, coffee lover, dog lover, like mama. I mean, not that those things aren't real. I don't drink coffee, but instead of having in my social media bio, like all the things you teach in your course, right. Is how to position. So you've got to position yourself first so that someone, they find you that first impression, you're positioned as an expert and they see you as an expert. And then you, of course, you continue to deliver value as an expert. And when you, when you present yourself that way, that's when the experts, media, podcast hosts, you know, groups that are going to hire you for whatever they're going to hire you for. That's when they will hire you as an expert or expert or, or bring you on because a lot of stuff isn't paid. And right. then when you communicate it to their audience, and then by the way, your audience, right? Because yeah. when you, when you post this podcast, when you, your episode goes, goes live, I will of course share that with my audience. Right. And so that, that builds credibility with my audience who already follows me. It shows that credibility is continuing to be built. 
But as far as strategies, like there's so many strategies and tactics. I mean, I have a course that teaches all of this. It teaches, you know, what do you do to pitch the news? What do you do to differentiate yourself? What are the things like, some of it is, is strategies, but some of it is things like, Hey, before you pitch a reporter, if you've got their name, when you're pitching them, go follow them on social media, go interact with them. What platform do they get the least engagement with? Like those types of things are more on the soft skills. I, I yeah. have one of my students, she bought the course on Friday. She did her second pitch to pitch twice on Monday and her second pitch was entrepreneur magazine. And she got picked up amongst 400 people pitching because while they probably had the bio and the signature and the things they needed, she did the personal touch behind it. So it's, it's a combination of both, right? It's showing up as an expert Gosh, and yeah. being a good, a good human being. But, but before we get into that, I want to address the permission to promote because what I see, I see this in network marketing is you go to your event or you get your training and you have everything you need to be successful. You've got the strategies, you've got the tips, you've got the framework. And then you're trying to figure out why this person that's, you know, on stage is so much more successful. And the biggest thing that I found outside of, you know, just I'd say general work ethic, right, is you have to put in the work is the, the misalignment when you don't really feel aligned with promoting yourself. And so I'd love to break that down because I feel like everyone yeah. has some gems from this. So this is the, just the number one reason I see people not being successful. You know, it's, it's not resources because there's resources out there if you're resourceful. It's understanding like what is the definition of promoting? And so to promote something is to further or progress something. So it's like to actively encourage something. And first of all, we need to understand that we all want to further our business, right? I mean, who doesn't want their business to be more successful? Right. I mean, we all do, but we can't wait for someone to be giving us opportunities. And this is the same thing in pitching. Like people are like, I'm waiting for someone to reach out to me and ask me to be a podcast guest. And I'm like, no, you got to go ask for it. You have to raise your hand. You need to create opportunities. And so secondly is, is really giving yourself permission. And so the idea of this permission is that we've often, especially as women, as women being, we've been told, you know, we shouldn't talk about ourselves. Don't be too much. Don't be too loud. You're going to get what you want if you just work hard, keep your head down, be selfish or selfless. And I don't feel like we should be selfish, but we do need to be there asking for what we want. And the yes. second thing is we need to understand that our business is not us. We are a human being. We are breathing life into the entity that is our business. We are separate, right? And that's yeah. when you become a entrepreneur as you go out and get your LLC and your LLC is this and it makes its own money and it, you know, and then it pays you as a human being. But if right, we right. believe in this value that we have and our ability to impact and, you know, we want to give every opportunity to that business to let it grow. And you're a mom, right? I want people to think about your business like a baby. It's pure potential that needs so much work and handholding and protection and advocacy. And think about what would you do to have your child be successful? Like right now, everyone's, most people are remote schooling. So what resources would you get for your child? so that they could be successful in that program. What would you do? Would you reach out to the teacher if there was an issue? You know, what would you, what would you tell your child that they can accomplish anything you set their mind to? So why are we not doing this for our own businesses? So I want you to think, you know, if you're listening as the human being breathing life into your business, it's your responsibility and it's your privilege to promote your business. Mm, so true. So good. That one of the things I'm constantly saying to my team and even to the folks in the, in my LinkedIn training is like, you know, really take a hard look at yourself and ask, am I expecting a six figure payout? And I'm like, what would you pay yourself for the effort that you're, you're putting into your oh. business? 
right? Are you, are you giving it a six figure effort? Or are you giving it a hobby effort with expectation of six figures on the back end? Right. And I love what you're saying about investing too, because I know for me from a very early standpoint in my business, and actually I'm going to do a podcast on this, but it's, I, even as a very early entrepreneur uh, network marketer in, in the first year, I reinvested a lot of the money I was making because most people who are building out a network marketing business were, they didn't have that money before, right? Like you were paying your bills before. And there's this like misperception of like the income comes in and then people, they, they spend it frivolous, frivolously, you know, and I constantly would return it back into my business. You know, I was investing in things like a new laptop. So I wasn't working off of my corporate computer, or maybe I was investing in incentives for my team for top enrollers for business trips and stuff like that. But I was just constantly investing. And then we get to where we are today and just constantly investing in ourselves as business owners by being a part of masterminds, business coaches to continue to reinvest, right? I find, I don't know if you found this with the team that you've led in the past in in network marketing, but for, for some reason, there's this disconnect. I find that a lot of people come into it and want six figures. The mindset's not right for how they're reinvesting in their self to actually break free, break through to that platform, that level, but also the true effort it takes to get there. Don't expect, I say, don't expect what you want to invest. And that starts with time. There's people that want it to be easy. They don't want to invest their time, but like they want the network, they want the six figure or multiple six figure lifestyle without putting in the work to get there. So they're like, oh, I'm I'm a network marketer now. So I'm going to, you know, time freedom. And you're like, but you haven't actually earned it yet. Like the reality is, is you're going to have less time, especially if you're still working, you know, when you're working your job, plus doing network marketing, you're going to have significantly less time for a period of time before you earn the luxury of more time. And I'll tell you that that first year when I was working my corporate job, which was a 60, 70 hour a week job. And then I was working my network marketing business 20 plus hours a week on top of that, you know, I gave up watching TV. I gave yes. up. So, I mean, maybe I do a date night. Like we do a date night. So once a, once a week, this was before children, but I gave up all those things to get the freedom later. And that freedom wasn't just about, yeah, the vacations. That's great. But that freedom was when my husband got cancer the third time, which was when our son was 10 months old. I mean, well, I should say he got it before that, but he, when he went in for his third surgery and I had to take a month off from my business, that was a luxury that I had earned because I put in the work. And even now, I mean, the luxury of being able to have my business, you know, my network marketing business in the backseat while I, while I build this other business, it's just like my, you know, my heart and soul. But from an investment standpoint, same thing. I You did probably, work. Oh, well, I, I think I invested. I, I hired my first coach, my first business coach who, yes, I mean, they helped me in network marketing, but they helped me in mindset and all these other things. I hired that first coach which was, I think it was like $2,500 or $3,000 that hired them. And I had made, I think I had made maybe $10,000 at that point. So that was a big portion of what yeah. I had earned. I reinvested back. And same thing is, you know, I saw what my leaders were doing and I was like, what is, was working and how they were investing. And I said, well, I want to do this or, or more. And so I was investing and I always thought it was so interesting that I, you know, when you, when you raise up leaders and you're giving incentives and you know all the things of course that are that are within compliance but you're giving bonuses or or shipping promotions or different things and they they take advantage of it to help grow their business and then they don't want to do that when it's their time to their turn yeah. and so i think that that is a thing that it, you know as a leader you have to have that investment mindset and this year i mean this year in my business like i just i just had my biggest month ever i mean i had a 
in less than a month and three weeks, I had a hundred thousand dollar launch. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's super exciting. And I, I want to celebrate that. But at the same time, like I put in the work, like people see that like, oh, you, you made a hundred thousand dollars in three weeks. I said, well, I, I joked that it t- actually, that took 40 years because it took me building all of those right. skills. Right. But it actually took that the last six months during COVID, I worked without really pay. I mean, I had my network marketing income, but I worked on all these things that I then launched. And what I have invested this year in, I mean, masterminds, I'm in two masterminds, but also in the back end of the business, right? This is the difference between I said network marketing and like building out a course, building out a mastermind, like the amount I invested this year, it will be a hundred thousand dollars. So when I joke that, yeah, a hundred thousand, you know, what was a hundred because some people are making payments and on the launch, but, but you know, when 50,000 in that week went into my bank account, 37,000 went right back out to pay other things. So yes, did I pay myself? I gave myself a a disbursement, an owner disbursement of $3,500. So my my person didn't make 50,000 or a hundred thousand. My business made it, but that investment, what that investment was for is that investment is to scale. That's right. That investment yeah. is to go $200,000 last year to ending the year 100,000 a year and being at, you know, a million plus next year. That is a right. cost of building, growing a business and growing a team and growing all of the metrics and the the systems you need behind the scenes to be able to have yeah. $100,000 a month every month. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And I I couldn't agree more. I've I've been experiencing the exact same thing, right? It was like, you know, I invested in the mastermind and I hired a business coach. I think I've probably invested maybe 60 grand this year between masterminds and private coaches. But the interesting thing is my income is nearly quadrupled, right? And so it would not have gone in that direction. And I talk about this a lot. It's the law of the lid. I think it's like, I can't remember which law it is with John Maxwell, but it, the law of the lid is, is like you, we all have like a lid of, of capacity, knowledge, and unless we're willing to invest to raise that lid, you will flatline and your business will slowly dwindle. But if you're willing to reinvest and reinvest, you can grow and scale beyond your wildest dreams because you're bringing in the experts to cast the vision, surrounding yourself with people like you, yes. right? And a mastermind to inspire what can happen, you know? Well, um, and other people who are constantly raising the bar. And so, you yeah. know, we started out, you and I, and like we had calls and I think I, I love it because I think you and I have learned so much from each other. And that's, that's what a mastermind really is, right? Is that's the melding of minds. And so mm-hmm. you gave me resources. I gave you resources. We shared best practices. You had a huge launch and your launch. I mean, that was a huge catalyst for me because that launch, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to create numbers like this. Like yeah. this is incredible. And so that gave me such fire from yeah. my launch. And so it's like, well, you're it's not an outdoing a thing. It's a, it's a raising the belief of what is possible. A hundred percent that being in this mastermind with you and these other women this year, a hundred percent. It's not a competition. It is inspiring, showing me what is possible. I'll never forget a couple of weeks into joining the mastermind. There was a girl on our team who did a, like a hundred thousand dollars in a day. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Like it was blowing my mind, but it also made me realize anything is possible. And man, am I glad I left my corporate job that was going to pay me, you know, for 40 hours a week for 40 years and then to retire at 40% of my income for the rest of my life. And now being surrounded by, you know, amazing women that inspire me to just do and be more, you know? 
just share the resources to get there. Share the short. Yes. Because yes. That's the, I think that's the thing that people understand is like, I, I, we can play a little game of like, what are the things we get out of a mastermind is obviously relationships, right? Just like belief and, and people cheering you on and raising you up. You get the strategies and the shortcuts. So like I got a podcast strategy and then I shared that and my, and our, and our wonderful Dasan, our podcast editor, who's like the sweetest yes. guy ever. Right. And then, you know, you give me resources like, oh, this, you know, take this course or do this or like, here's something else. And so we're constantly sharing what works and what happens is it creates that quantum leap in business. Yes. It creates yeah. the results that you, it creates, the, I, I would say it creates the results that would take somebody five years on their own. But the actual, the reality is, is if they're doing it on their own, they'll never get that because the amount of time it will take, somebody will hit burnout yeah. because the, they won't, the belief won't be built fast enough to get the results that we're getting. Yes. Uh, oh my gosh. A hundred percent. I mean, I can think through a series of things that have happened this year that had I not been a part of a business coach or a mastermind, I would still be five years away. Like just the course creation. Some of the folks in my upline in my network marketing business are like, oh my gosh, like how did you even get started in like creating a course? And I was like, well, it started with hiring a business coach who helped me manifest the idea who already knew where to plug me in to have people help me take this idea and put it into a course. Like this podcast, Rebecca, this podcast we're airing right now, like wouldn't have aired or existed had you not said, look, you can launch your business and launch a podcast at the same time. Let me give you all my notes. Like literally I was looking at your drive this morning that like has really nudged me to do this. And you, you condensed time for me so that I didn't have to take a podcast course. Like you had everything organized for me. And I think that it speaks volumes just being in a group like that, you know? (laughs) Well, and that's, and that's like, that's my mission. I mean, what I just launched was a mastermind and that's my mission is, you know, even with a mastermind, I mean, the the first two years, it took me two years, which listen, I am not complaining because this is, these are 10 years plus of goals, but it took me two years to, you know, get 20 national publications and write a bestseller and create a profitable course. And then, you know, have the six figure launch. Like it took me a lot of time it still took me two years with all that support. And so now it's like, well, then you learn all the things. And now I'm showing women, like, how can you launch a podcast, you know, a course, a book in six months, which sounds crazy, but it's not crazy if you have the the strategies and the systems already in place, which you can just borrow from someone else. Yes. Flair and brand on it. Right. Well, and that was the thing that you convinced me. It's like, just, I just, like, well, the thing is, and I always say this, like, don't let perfect get in the way of good, like just go. Right. And one of the things I love to do now that I'm starting my podcast is go back to like episode one with all these other people that I follow and see like what a trajectory, like what a change they've had. And it's like, quit putting pressure on yourself to be perfect today and whatever it is, if it's your media presence, it's knowing your business, whatever it is, just go and learn that you'll evolve along the way. Right. So we're kind of getting close to the hour here. And Rebecca, I want to, I want to dive into one thing that I think is really relevant to a lot of mamas before we close out. And this is kind of like completely tangential off topic, but I love what you have in place. And I'm always kind of speaking to women that you can delegate out more so that you can show up energetically. And so one of the things that I know for all my burnouts that are listening to this or in the process of trying to get out of burnout and and go all out, one of the things as a mom, especially, I think that's so important is that infrastructure around the house, in the house that allows for you to delegate things that don't give you like that that you need help with that you're okay passing over to drive your business better energetically show up better with your spouse 
with your kids. I think a lot of women, I have private clients I've talked with about this. They have this guilt that like, mm-hmm. if I'm hiring out for someone to do my laundry or cook the dinner or help with the kids that like, that, that people will think less of me, right? Like, so I love asking my, like my entrepreneurial mamas who work from home, what does your infrastructure and support look like in the house? And I want all you women to be listening to this because it's brilliant. <laughs> so first I will say like this, this actually makes me, I don't say nervous. It makes me a little uncomfortable, but I'm going to share because I'm all about full disclosure yeah. because I know where I was even 10 years ago. I mean, I had a house cleaner, but but even 10 years ago, making incredible money, I had this idea and I, and it was because I grew up, my, my grandparents were immigrants. I grew up with my a mom, you know, that was one of eight kids that they worked out in the fields, like making their own money to buy their clothes for school. And so there is a part of me that like, and I love the work ethic I grew up with. I love it. Okay. Especially as women though, I feel like we, we become mom mothers where we have to do everything because nobody does it the way that we can do it. Oh my gosh. And that is a recipe for disaster. And I remember looking at people that when I tell you my framework of support that had significantly less of a framework than me. And I was like, how fussy, like, Oh, she doesn't, she, she has a nanny and she doesn't even work. Like I, I, and I now look back and I'm like, wow, I was such a judgy little person. Little twit. Because what I've realized, well, two things. One is if you're listening, I can tell you that the recipe to happiness is not by trying to make other people happy. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first thing is, and this is this, okay. So everything goes back into giving yourself permission. We said permission to promote and that's things like stepping into your alter ego. But, but the real thing is you need to give yourself permission to do what's going to make you happy because when you are happy, you can do anything. Mm. And so now I will say the structure that I have now did not start out at the level of support that it now has. <laughs> okay. So it started out with, you know, I started out with having a house cleaner when I was like 24, 25, because I was in real estate and I was working and I could make more money. And you've got to sit down and look at what is your time worth? What can you earn? And tasks that are worth, tasks that are one of two things. They're either worth less than what your hourly rate is, or you really don't enjoy them. Like if you love cooking, you could probably, you know, order meals or meal boxes that, that would be less expensive than you cooking. But if you love cooking and that fuels you cook, okay, that I do that once a week. And I, I love a glass of wine cooking dinner. Yes. If somebody's keeping up with the kids. Yes. And that's sometimes when I watch a bad show, I don't, I don't sit down and watch TV, but I will turn something on if I'm cooking. But, but so I started with the house cleaner and then the first year with my network marketing business where I, and, and my child. So the first two years I did it all on my own except for the house cleaner. And it was a recipe for disaster. I was trying to be a full-time mom, a full-time business owner. My husband was doing an MBA program and starting a startup and going through cancer. And I broke, I mean, I, I literally, he got out of the hospital for a month and I was at my breaking point as an entrepreneur. And by then, you know, as an entrepreneur, we have radical responsibility mindset. So I had no one to blame. There was no boss. It was no one else's fault. I did this to myself. And so he said, well, you know, get help then. And I was like, "Ah, I'm I'm a, I'm a hypocrite. If I, you know, I came home to be home to have a baby and now I'm going to hire someone. And so I had to get out of that that hypocrisy, like martyrdom. And I hired uh-huh. a man who yep. also helped, helped with cooking, who is still with me four years later. And is like my, I joke, she's my sister wife. So it started with a nanny and, and that, you know, saying, oh my gosh, now I could actually go get my nails done or go get a workout or do these other things that fulfilled me. And so then it went to, then I got a VA, you know, to help part-time. And then I, well, so I'll just talk about the last year. Cause I really sat down and when I joined the mastermind a year and a half ago, and I said, what does my life look like 
what does it look like for earning a million dollars a year? What do I need? What do I need to put in place? And I said, I need an integrator. So someone that's much higher level, more strategic than just a VA. And, and I said, and I actually need more help than just a nanny because now I have two kids. My husband is a founder at a startup. He leaves the house by 6 a.m. He usually gets home sometime between 7 and 10. So I have, and I love him and I, I have a wonderful spouse, but I have very little support in the evenings. And so when my nanny leaves at four or before eight, so we got an au pair. Yeah. And so that sounds very fussy. I know to have two people for two kids, but my au pair helps in the morning, seven to eight, and she helps in the yeah. afternoons. And she helps so that I can have one-on-one time with my child or that I can, like, when I get off this podcast, I will walk and pick him up at school at noon. So she helps with things like kid laundry and, you know, prepping backpacks so that I can spend time playing chess with him in the morning yeah. or those yeah. types of things, or, you know, spending an hour with my daughter, like giving her a bath. And I have, so that's on the, on the personal side. I have a house cleaner that comes twice a week. She does all the laundry. I have my, my nanny that does, she also does some cooking and I have the au pair. Yeah. And, and that also, by the way, now I have date night with my husband twice a week and I don't pay a hundred dollars to a babysitter. Of um, course. Amazing. We can travel and still have a date night when we're like going away for the weekend. On the right. business side, I have an integrator that works about 30 hours a week. She's going to be coming on full time. I have a VA. I have someone that helps with social media. I do all my own content, but she does posting and engagement and she helps in the DM. So I just don't get overloaded. I have a team that does the back end of all my course stuff. I have someone that helps me with my email marketing. Even though I do most of my writing, she helps with the email marketing. I have a web designer. I mean, I, so I have a lot of consultants. I, I technically yeah. have a staff of four, but I have a lot of consultants, but you know, that's, that's what it takes to run a business that scales to seven figures and then to multiple seven. That's right. Yep. Yeah. That's that's it. I know it's a lot. No, no, it's good. The reason I ask every mom that that comes on is because it's so important. I interviewed the burn bootcamp COO last week. She's, they've got like almost 300 gems across the country now. And she's got three little kids and she actually has someone who comes in and cooks every single day, you know, and I'm like, I want women to hear this more because I think that the reason we feel guilty hiring out is because we were that judgy little twit that now it's like the only reason I think we have this self-sabotage about it is because we judged. And now, but I, so I'm giving all of you listening permission, even my newest associates that I bring in to my, my business. One of, one of the gals on my team ran really hard and fast, hit director. She's one of the top income earners in the bonus pools for the Northeast. She has a corporate job and she's home with COVID with four kids under four. And Danielle, I love you if you're listening. And I told her, I said, what, like, what are you doing with all this income that's coming in with isogenics? Like, can you not redirect some of that to outsource some things in your house, whether it's to clean the house, do the laundry, like this is the time to create some space for yourself. And I couldn't agree more, Rebecca, with that, like coming home, my husband and I went through this conversation too, where when I quit corporate and I came home, literally for a year or two, there was for us, there was this juggle or struggle of like, role responsibility in the house. Because I was like, I came home to work from home. I didn't come home to like, and to have a flexible schedule and spend more time with my kids, but I'm working. Yeah. And so it, it took us some time to come up with what needs to be outsourced. Cause I'm home, but I'm not doing laundry. I'm home, but I'm not cleaning the house. Right. When I have my yes. time, I want to be with my kids. I want to spend it judiciously so that energetically I'm the best version of myself for everyone. So 100%. I don't feel funny about sharing what you're outsourcing because I actually love it. And I want to give other women permission to do that. Well, and I would say I would absolutely have a cook. The reason I don't is, is like, so my nanny is an incredible cook. So she cooks like 
two dinners. I also, I fast. So I fast in the morning and then I have shakes yeah, and then yeah. I have like, you know, I'm a, I'm a plant-based eater. So I have, you know, seeds and things. And then for dinner, usually either I cook the apparel, make meal once or twice a week, or we do like, we have a delivery service called Thistle that's like 10 to $12 organic, sustainable, gluten-free plant-based meals. And so yeah. the reason I don't need to is that my life and the way that we eat doesn't really require like complication, right. but that I mean, I, I have no problem with that at all. That sounds wonderful. And right. When your kids are bigger, maybe you'll want a nice gourmet meal cooked. Yes. <laughs> or, or I have date night and I, you know, go because your kids are still pretty little too. Yeah. They're four and 16 months. In. And the other thing, you know, of all of this is I'm building a house too. We, our house, we're going to move in in about 45 days. That's why I'm sitting here with like, you know, my, my bedroom office, but we're building a house and it's the same thing as like, you have a general contractor who takes care of things for you. That's like our integrator. And then you have all of these different people. You could yep. not do it on your own. So people need to just have the mindset that you don't necessarily need to hire everything you need for two years out, but you need to have a plan to scale, not just your business, but your life. Yes. Yeah. So that you can, oh you can sit down and maybe just like the other night I got in the bathtub. I took a sea salt bath. I read a Lee Child's Jack Reacher book that is not personal development. And I relaxed because that's what I needed to show up the next day as the best version of myself. That's right. Oh my gosh. And I think that we have a great business coach that really emphasizes that. I think it helps us make that a priority. Well, this has been so wonderful. So a couple of two things. First of all, Rebecca, where can people find you and follow you right now? So they can, you could go to Instagram at Rebecca Cafiero, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-C-A. F as in Frank, I-E-R-O, or my website, RebeccaCafiero.com. And that will go to, you can find my book on Amazon from there, my podcast, my course, everything is on my website. Is your mastermind still open? Do you have anything that you're offering right now? Is there anything people can go check out? I technically have one spot. I have about six people that are, we're in final talks for it because I am capping it at 20. And most likely, I mean, if the group is listening live, this they, they would they could look at it, but that'll be gone the next two days, but I will be launching another one in January. And then I have my course, which I'll have you put the link in for. They can attend my free masterclass, which is on called Unleash Your Expertise. And it's, it's kind of three secrets to being seen as an expert. And yeah, and I've got group coaching that I'm doing next month. It's my course plus my coaching. Awesome. Okay. So my final question, I ask this for everybody is your, your piece of advice for the burnout who's look peering over and thinking about maybe they still have the 90 minute commute. Although I guess a lot of people aren't commuting right now, but that burnout who's considering and wondering, can I go be more creative, find something with more purpose? Can I take that leap of faith? Like what's your, your piece of advice to the burnout right now? Mm, can I give two? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're both three steps. Okay. So one is this is like three rules that I believe this is actually for success in life, but it's also on getting out of that burnout is number one, follow your joy or follow what makes you happy. Mm. That's the breadcrumbs to getting to it's like, if you want to create the job of your dream, it can't just be something that you're good at. It's got to be like something that really lights you up. So you're so excited right. to do it because it's okay. still work, right? It's still going to yeah. be work. Even if you love yeah. everyone, it's still work. And number two is be resourceful. Again, yeah. that's, I mean, that's the difference between I think an employee mindset and an entrepreneur is entrepreneurs go out and find what they need. They don't wait for someone to tell them what to do. Then yeah. number three is ask for what you want, like ask for what you want. And then mm -hmm. to find that thing, if you're looking like, how do I, how do I leave this burnout? You know, infuse joy as much as possible, but start thinking about the plan of what is my exit strategy? What does mm -hmm. that look like? And taking another job that's not going to make you happy is not it. 
So I like to look at like the ring of, there's a circle of what you're good at. There's a circle of what you love doing. And then there's the circle of what you can get paid for. And I think the mistake most people make, which is what gets us into the jobs that burn us out is we do, what are we good at and what can we get paid for? Mm-hmm. And if we don't love it, we will never, we will always end up burnt out at some point. It's just win, not it. Yes. Yes. So you need to look at what are you good at and what do you love and yep. then figure out that little tiny spot of how to monetize it. Yes. So good. So good, Rebecca. Well, thank you so much for jumping on. I know it's early morning in California for you. So I, I just appreciate you jumping on today. And this was so much fun. Likewise. It was my pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to the Burnout to All Out podcast. For free resources, materials, or information on my coaching services, go ahead over to livethefreelife.co. That's livethefreelife.co. Or check out our Facebook community at Burnout to All Out. And make sure you follow Burnout to All Out on Spotify and subscribe to iTunes. And it would truly mean the world to me if you paused for just a second gave me that five-star review of the show and be sure to share this episode with any burnouts you think would be inspired to go all out after hearing this episode.